as we stand and sing together this morning. Brother Ken. Amen. Let's all stand together. Hymn number 346. And you read back this morning, you read songbook, hymn number 346. If you've accepted that blood of Jesus Christ, let's just remind the devil that because of that blood, our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Enjoy the song as you sing it this morning. Sing it from your heart. Hymn number 346.
us a big amen this morning. We're glad to see you. Thank you for being here. I'm reminded that God will save anybody, even a Carolina fan. Say amen right there. Amen. Thank you for coming today. We appreciate that so very much. We appreciate you being here today. Let me give you just a couple of quick prayer requests we put out on our call system yesterday about the uh, death in Brother Shane's family, his uncle passing away. They'll be at the funeral home Roselawn tomorrow night from 6 until 8. And the, service, uh, the funeral will be a graveside Tuesday, also at Roselawn. Uh, his uncle was saved. We praise the Lord for that. You, you pray for the family. And then he was also sharing some other things this morning about several in his uh, extended family and friends that had lost loved ones, so pray for that. Continue to pray for Brother Robert Turner, Brother Billy Whitlow, others in our congregation that we've been mentioning for several weeks now that we're asking God to touch them. Let's ask the Lord to meet with us in our services today. I'm going to ask my son to open us up in prayer. James, you pray for us, and let's join James together at the throne room of grace. James, pray for us, buddy. Our Father, we come before you now, and Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here. Lord, we thank you that you've given us this day to come before you to worship you, not because you need it, but because we need you. Lord, we thank you that we come before you not on the grounds of our, of our own merit or what we have done because we've done nothing. Lord, it's all because of your son, and that gives us the confidence to come before you. Lord, we thank you for what you did in sending your son to die for us and in bringing us to yourself. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have here to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, today we pray, first of all, that our hearts and our minds would be lifted up towards you and your son. Father, we pray to give us correct thoughts and feelings, Lord, towards you as we worship you. Father, then we pray that if someone here has never trusted in Christ as their Savior, Father, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, then we pray for the preaching of the Word today. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds would just be receptive, that the Word would be proclaimed, that we would take it and be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Father, we love you, and it's through your Son we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Boy, I sure love these next two songs we'll be singing. Both of them are Kyle of Faith. And I love the words to this one. You listen now as the choir sings, He Rescued Me.
That's exactly what God thinks about Carolina, too. Amen. <laughs> we'll do one more for you this morning. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite songs she wrote, and I hope it'll bless your heart. Never promised we wouldn't walk through dark valleys. Just promised we wouldn't walk through them by ourselves. And by the things we learn at those dark places, you listen this morning, Brother Ken will sing.
for you this morning. Let me go through those quickly with you today. First of all, I want to remind everybody uh, about our upcoming Child Care Center graduation that will be in just uh, a week from Thursday. I'm bringing that to everyone's attention this morning because Brother Daryl needs a couple of men to help him out. That is always a packed event here, and so we need some parking lot help with that. Men, if you can help us out, uh, we'd sure appreciate that. You see Brother Daryl, if you would. 
Information regarding our final Awana is present as well. Keep that in mind. And then on Sunday, June the 3rd, we'll be having our graduation Sunday. Uh, that is honoring all of our graduates, whether they be high school or college of any degree. If you'll see Miss Leanne with that information or let Miss uh, Susan know, if you need a table, we'll have that set up for you on that Sunday morning. Also want to remind all of our teens and young adults that are heading with us to teen conference of our upcoming golf tournament. Uh, that takes place on Saturday, uh, June the 23rd. Uh, we've got flyers in our postal area there. If you'll pick one of those up, a couple of things to keep in mind, if you would. If you're going to register a team, you let Brother Ken know. The person fee is $40, $160 per team. And we're also looking for folks that can help out with uh, raising some uh, uh, whole sponsors uh, and then also uh, collecting any cash award prizes, things like that, gift cards that are given away. As always, there's some significant awards that will be given, including a hole-in-one new car. Yep, said that right. Uh, Brother Barry Nelson is always so good to put that available for us, so keep that in mind if you would. Again, see Brother Ken to pre-register on that. There's a meal that follows. We need everybody's help on that. Information is contained on that flyer. And then also want to remind all of our young folks that are going to teen conference uh, about the cost when we leave. All of that information is in there. Those that are going to our uh, Senior Saints trip this fall uh, to see Jesus up in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, that money is due by May the 9th. You need to sign up and pay your deposit. I say it right, May the 9th. Uh, $60 for that. Uh, you need to give that to either uh, Brother Upchurch or Sister Upchurch by May the 9th for that October trip. And then we also have out ladies that are going to the Women's Mountain Retreat this year. That's August the 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Uh, that information is over here. You need to sign up. I will have this also in the bulletin for next week. Uh, that, of course, is one of the highlight events of the year. Dr. Godwin will be speaking there as well again this year, along with Kyla Rowland and several other speakers, so keep that in mind if you would. We'll have the cost information in there, uh, so please pray about that, and we'll have that for you next week. Finally, there's one little change uh, in uh, today's activities. Uh, because of some sickness, the children's church, the little ones, uh, are going to have to remain in here today. The older ones will go, you know what, let's do this. Everybody just stay in here today since the little ones can't go out because the that would just drive them crazy. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to let uh, all those that are normally go to Children's Church and Junior Church come on down. We're going to do our penny march. Uh, if you're uh, here today and you've got loose change, they're going to come around and collect that from you. And then when we're done, instead of going out, young folks, we'll let you go back to your seats today. Uh, our, our person who normally does it is out sick. Uh, so uh, you'll be in here with us today having to look at all this painful Carolina stuff with the rest of us. All right, come on down, folks that are heading to Children's Church, Junior Church normally. Take off, guys.
Great job, young folks. Thank you so much uh, this morning. Appreciate your gifts, as always, to our young folks today. Fellas, come on and make your way down, if you would. Uh, we'll give our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Uh, you be obedient unto the Lord, and we appreciate that. Run, run, run. Faster, faster, faster. Hurry, 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 hurry. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, as always, for being obedient to the Lord. We're going to pray, and Brother Scott's going to sing this morning. Father, thank you, Lord, for the day and for the opportunity you've given us to worship you today in this capacity. Lord, I pray you bless this offering. Bless Brother Scott as he sings. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. I worked yesterday trying to get a new song together. It's an old song, but uh, it was it's new. I hadn't sung it. Preparing this morning, and this this song that I had in my notebook from many many years ago uh, just kind of stood out at me, and it just basically says, you know, we, you know, when you're trying to live the Christian life and you're trying to fight and you're trying to to do right, and it seems like one thing right after another comes yeah. up against you, it just makes it hard, and uh, you know, but the Bible says just when having done all, just to stand. I've spent my life being faithful, trying so hard to stay true, giving each day another part of me, and longing to be more like you. But lately my mind has been wondering, Lord, how much can this broken heart take? In the midst of my loneliness and all of my pain, in the distance I can hear my Father say, I can hear Him say, stand. When you can't go any farther, you just stand. For He knows your joy and sorrow. He's the one who holds tomorrow. And He has you safely in His wondrous plan. I guess if He had not been there for me, the countless times he has come through It would be so easy Just to walk away If he hadn't been so faithful and true But deep in my dark 
darkest of midnights when not one friend can be found in the midst of my loneliness and all of my pain i can still hear him calling my name i can hear him say stand when you can't go any farther you just for he knows your joy and sorrow, he's the one who holds tomorrow, and he has you safely in his wondrous plan. When all my strength is gone, and it seems I can't go on, he says you don't have to just stand. Just before Brother Ken comes to lead us in our fellowship song, I want to invite you to stand with us and let's sing a very happy birthday to this young man. I, I love to kid him. I love to pick on him, uh, but I sure do appreciate him. I share all the time uh, that every once in a while God sends folks into your pathway that you wonder how you ever made it without them, and he is certainly that for me. So I want you to join in and sing happy birthday to him. He looks good to be 58 years old, so let's sing out. Sing with us now. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Thank y'all for participating in all this today, and I know some of you, it is just terribly tearing up. Amen. The Carolina Decorations is up here, but I think it is such a sweet, sweet spirit around here this morning. <laughs> I mean, the presence of the Lord is everywhere. <laughs> the altars are open. Brother Tim said, don't worry about all this stuff. You can still get down here, but uh, appreciate y'all. Love y'all, and I'm praying the presence of the Lord will show up here today amidst all this joking and carrying on. That's our main goal. We want God's presence here. Let's all sing hymn number 333 in the red book. I'll fly away. We'll do the first verse and chorus. Have a time of fellowship. Page number 333. Here we go. Some glad morning when this life is o'er.
little change of plan. We had some extra folks volunteer to help out this morning. So all the little ones at Children's Church and Junior Church, make your way down like normal this morning. We got folks waiting on you. Children's Church and Junior Church, come on, make your way down this morning. I see the joy in your face now, youngins.
so much this morning. Thank you so much. I'll share this with you just to put a little smile on your face. I don't know. I told my wife uh, when she was here decorating yesterday, I sat in my office. I didn't come and look at it. I don't, and I told her we got here, I don't know what was harder for me to think about. All this Carolina stuff sitting up here or watching my son parade my old wardrobe around in front of me. <clears throat> in fact, he came over to the house this morning to get some socks and he's got on that shirt. I said, man, son, I love that shirt. He said, you ought to. You could wear it 50 pounds ago. Amen. <laughs> I beat him. So anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, merry heart doeth good like medicine. Fellas, make your way down one more time this morning. First Sunday of every month is Mission Sunday here at the church. You are playing. Mission Sunday here at the church. I invite you to turn in your Bibles congregation to 2 Kings this morning. Be obedient. We appreciate you so much. Your gift to our missionaries, in addition to what you give, we give 13% of our tithes and offerings, and we're honored to do that. That allows us to have nearly $4,000 on the mission field every month, so we appreciate your generosity. Lord, bless this offering, the gift and the giver, in Christ's name, amen. Number five, chapter five. While you're turning, I'll invite you to be with us tonight in our services this evening at six o'clock. A little something special tonight. Uh, we have for the last few weeks been talking about contending for our faith, uh, stepping up, being a soldier for the Lord in this battle for the social culture that we face today. And tonight, I want to talk to you about leading that, being a leader, and the importance of that. We'll look at that together this evening. Second Kings chapter. Number five, if you would, passage of scripture that I love to preach about. It is just as applicable today as it was the day that it was written some 2,800 years ago, 2,900 years ago, actually. And it tells the story of a man that most of us, if we've been in church any length of time, have heard about. A man by the name of Naaman, who was a captain of the army of Syria, by all accounts a prestigious title and a man who had tremendous respect in the community. But as we're going to read in just a moment, Naaman had a big problem. Naaman had been stricken with leprosy, a disease that had devastating consequences, a type of sin that we'll talk about in just a moment. We'll read several verses through the course of the morning, 
But let's begin reading now in verse number 1 of 2 Kings chapter number 5. Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was a mighty man in valor. And notice the next clause. But he was a leper. Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She... That little maid said unto her mistress, and again the mistress is Naaman's wife, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Let's pray together. Father, again today, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to open up this precious, precious word. Lord, we don't take for granted the fact that you've given us the inspired Word of God. And Lord, we do so taking it reverently with the understanding that it is for us and for our daily lives. And Lord, as we go into the message this morning, I pray that you would illuminate it for us. Lord, the story that we're going to read about today is as real and as important today as it has ever been before. Lord, I'm so glad today that Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Bless the preaching. May it be exactly what you'd have it to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Read a wonderful little story this week. Again, I love to laugh, love to cut up. Preacher friend sent it to me. About a police officer. In fact, he knows that we do. Our civil servant Sunday every year where we honor police officers. And he sent This little joke, he said, uh, great one to share on Civil Servant Sunday. Well, I got about 40 I want to share that day, so I'm going to share it with you all today. A uh, new uh, rookie police officer was out on the job for the first day. He'd been paired up with a veteran police officer, and as they're doing their round about the community, they receive a, 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 a call that a crowd had gathered at the local town square, and things were getting pretty violent. So they make their way to the town square. The rookie sees the the crowd up ahead and looks at the veteran police officer and squares his shoulder back and says, I got this. So he gets on the little megaphone and he says, Crowd, I demand that you disperse immediately. There is nothing happening. Everyone is still there. He looks over at this commanding officer or the senior officer, and the officer just goes like this. And so he says, I've got this. He rolls down the window and says it even louder. I demand that you disperse immediately. Feeling a little bit intimidated by that, the folks begin to walk away. And finally, after about five minutes, it's completely empty. He looks over at the senior officer and he says, how'd I do? He said, pretty good, considering, in fact, that's a bus stop. The problem's up ahead. Amen. (laughs) This passage of Scripture deals with a story that is as relevant today as it was the day that it was written. We find out a great deal about this man Naaman in the first verse. We find that he's an honorable man. He's a good man. He's well respected. But it is that last clause in verse number one that is extremely telling. It says, but he was a leper. 
Before we dive into the outline this morning, I want to pause just a moment and remind all of us that scripturally, leprosy is a type or a symbol for sin. In scripture, the Old Testament, and even into the first part of the New Testament, there was no greater death sentence than leprosy. Leprosy was a disease for which there was no cure. In fact, when someone was stricken with leprosy, they were as good as dead. Leprosy was known to spread very quickly. It was imminently contagious. And you could catch it based upon who you were around. Lepers were typically sent out of town. Scripturally, according to the law, the Israelites were to have no fellowship for le- with lepers uh, out of concern that the disease would spread throughout the rest of the Israelites. So they took the unenviable task of removing them all together so that that leper would not further contaminate those who were not afflicted. I'll pause just a moment and say that perfectly describes sin. Scripture tells us that because of sin, our punishment is death. We are reminded that sin is contagious. Moreover, we know that absent the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no cure for sin. We also understand that sin spreads oftentimes based upon whom we are around and that the ultimate destruction of sin leads to physical and spiritual death. But I will pause just a moment and say, as I said a moment ago, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. I am so glad to report to you today that on this day, 2018, the grace of God is as real as it's ever been. And though sin is more rampant today than it's ever been, though the deathful destruction of sin is as rampant as it has ever been, I am so glad that God's grace is just as sufficient today as it has ever been. So the help of the Lord, I want to give you a message this morning that I'm entitled The Big Dipper. The Big Dipper. Three things that I want you to notice about Naaman. Notice, first of all, his condition. His condition. We find out a great deal about Naaman simply in verse number one. I'd invite you to read it one more time as I look at it this morning. It says that Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable. A great man, the Bible says. A great man, Scripture says. This is a man who fought in the military. This is a man for whom the community had a tremendous amount of respect. You will probably echo the amen behind my statement this morning uh, because like as was the case here, I too have tremendous amounts of respect for those men and women who fight for our country. I think there's no greater service uh, than those men and women uh, who serve in harm's way, keeping the battle off of American soil. Uh, I believe the military profession and the civil servant police profession are two of the most valiant professions that one can have today. People who serve in those professions are good people, uh, great people, worthy of our honor and worthy of our respect. 
I think one of the telling characteristics of the culture war today is the fact that those who should be respected are in many parts of the country today being reviled. Those who should be applauded for what they do are being chastised for their service. Of course, there's bad apples in every bunch. But may I say to you this morning that those who serve our nation and serve our communities are in fact heroes in my opinion. He was a great man. But may I pause just a moment and say as much respect as I have for those who are police officers those who have fought for our nation and those who are enlisted in armed services, I hope also you will amen me. That's a great person, but that will not save them when they breathe their final breath. The fact that they've been a community official, the fact that they've been a police officer, the fact that they've been a good man or someone we might even say a great man, their good works, though they may be wonderful, will not save them when they take their final breath. He was a great man. One might even say he was a good man. You say, preacher, doesn't that mean the same thing? Well, notice what Scripture says again in verse number 1. He was a great man with his master and he was honorable. He was honorable. Over and above the fact that he was a military hero, over and above the fact that he was someone who was respected in the community for his service, uh, this was a good man. Man, a man we might say who stood tall, a man's man if you would. He is someone that we'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with. He is someone that probably took care of his family. He was someone that we could think about as being a person we'd like to hang around if you would. He was not just a great man because of his service. He was just a good old-fashioned good person. Lived right, acted right, did right. In fact, when you looked at him, you could say, boy, that's a good person. May I say to you this morning, just like uh, his service wouldn't save him, just like the fact that he'd been a military veteran would not save him, the fact that he was a quote-unquote good person would not save him either. How do we know? Because despite the fact that he was a great man, despite the fact that he was a good man, I submit to you respectfully this morning, he was also spiritually, and in this case physically, a goner. He was a goner. Why? Because of the last statement. But he was a leper. Leprosy had struck in him. Leprosy had attached that terrible disease to his body. Leprosy was so reviled in the Jewish community, so hated for its plagability, that those who were stricken with leprosy were by law commanded to place a rag over their mouths whenever they went out in public. Because the belief was that you could catch it by being breathed upon. We know today that's not the case in the age of modern medicine. But in biblical society, uh, there was this belief that if a leper breathed on you, you too could be stricken with leprosy. So lepers uh, would walk around in the community with their mouths covered. They were also mandated by law that whenever anyone came within three feet of them, they were to shout, unclean, unclean, so that others could pull away from them. 
so that others could pass by without touching them. Leprosy was so, so, so uh, uh, egregious in its spreading. I don't want to be too graphic, but literally appendages of the body could fall off. Once the leprosy got into the place that it was eating away, fingers could fall off. Entire limbs could fall off. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. In many parts of the world today, leper colonies are still a reality where the good-hearted people of this world go and attend to them because those of their natural community refuse to do so. To be a leper was a death sentence. Understand that because he was a military hero, he was still a leper. Understand that even though he was a good man, he was still stricken with leprosy. Here's what I want you to get this morning. You can be the finest person in this room today, and apart from Jesus Christ, you're still a sinner. You can be a military veteran. You can be a good person. You can have all of the respect of society today. But apart from Jesus Christ, just like that leper was a goner, we too are goners apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. No matter how good we are, Scripture says there is none righteous, no, not one. Scripture reminds us that all of our good deeds are as filthy rags. In other words, you can't be good enough to save yourselves. Uh, There's no things that you can do that make you good enough. Uh, You can't go to heaven based on the fact I'm a good person. There's no such thing in God's eyes. Absent the blood of Jesus, his condition. I want you to notice secondly this morning, not only his condition, I want you to notice his mistaken conceptions. If you look in verses 2 and 3, you see an incredible story. Verses 2 and 3 remind us that you can serve God wherever he has you placed. Notice, if you would, verses 2 and 3 remind us. Well, I've done turning my Bible. Hold on. 2 Kings chapter chapter number 5 is where we are, right? There we go. Notice what it says, if you would, please, in verses 2 and 3. The Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She's a servant. She's a slave. Verse 3, she said to her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. I'm astounded by the fact that this little maiden girl who was a servant, who was a slave, said to her mistress, if my preacher could get around him, he'd fix him. If my preacher, uh, if my preacher uh, could get to where the king is or, or to get to where uh, 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 the, the, the leader is, the general is, uh, he'd show him how to take care of this leprosy. Blesses my heart to, over this simple statement. We can be witnesses anywhere God puts us. I hear people say all the time, I got to get out of the where I am in order to be a witness for God. I can't be a witness where I currently reside. I can't be a witness at my job now. May I say to you very boldly this morning, if you won't be a witness where you are now, you won't be a witness anywhere God puts you. Notice. His miserable conditions and his mistaken conception. What were his mistaken conceptions? 
Well, in verse number 5, we note that he goes to the wrong person. Look at verse 4. We'll read 4 and 5 together. One went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel, simply repeating what the maid said. In verse 5, the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. He departed, took him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. So understand, folks, that the first thing this captain does is go to the wrong person. Why? Because this little maiden girl said, if the preacher was here, he would tell you how to fix the leprosy. So they go in and they tell uh, Mr. Naaman, well, uh, if you could just get the preacher from Israel here, uh, he'd be able to fix this. Uh, And Mr. Naaman says, I don't want the preacher from Israel. I'm going to write the king of Syria. I'm going to tell the king that I need to be cured. Can I pause a moment and say that king ain't got no idea how to cure leprosy? The king is not going to help him. The king is a important man. The king's in charge. Yes, the king's the king. But the king has not got the cure for leprosy. Only God's man has the cure for leprosy in this condition. So may I say to you this morning, when you start asking spirit, Oh, I hope you get me on this. When you start asking spiritual questions to those that don't know God, uh, you shouldn't be surprised when you get the wrong answer. It never ceases to amaze me. When people want a legal question, they go ask a lawyer. When you want a medical question, you go ask a doctor. Uh, If you've got an education question, you ask an educator. Uh, Explain to me why people ask spiritual questions uh, out of some of the most lost people on planet Earth. May I say to you this morning, you will not get good spiritual advice for someone who's not in touch with God. He went to the wrong person. And in that same verse, he tried to offer the wrong price. Notice, in addition to the king's letter, he says in the same verse, notice what it says in verse number 5, and he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, and 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 raiments, uh, 10 changes of raiment. In other words, accompanying the letter to the king that says, I've got leprosy, please help me. He sends all of this money, all of these goods, uh, in the hope that that's going to somehow make the cure better. I'll pause a moment and say uh, That just like he had the wrong person, he was also offering the wrong price. Why? Because there is no amount of money in the world that's going to fix that leprosy. He can give up every piece of gold, every talent that he's got. He can give up every piece of raiment he's got. And at the end of the day, he will still be a leper. Why? Because leprosy can't be fixed with money. Leprosy can't be fixed by a human king's order. Leprosy can only be fixed by a divine touch of God. I'll say the same thing this morning. Sin cannot be fixed with money. Sin cannot be fixed with a human touch. The only thing that can fix sin this morning is a divine touch from God. I heard a wonderful Wonderful description of why we call it grace. Why we call it 
grace. You see, there's three words that have to do with the court system that are very relevant to our Christian walk. The first one is the word justice. If you, as the criminal, are standing before the judge and you say, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, the judge looks at you and says, because of your self-proclaimed guilt, uh, here's the price and penalty that you have to pay for your offense. That's justice. May I pause a moment and say, that's what we all deserve. Justice because of our sin. Justice because of our disobedience. Justice because of our failures with God. But then there's mercy. There's mercy. If you stand before the king or the judge and you say, I've done the crime. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. He writes down in his ledger book, Greg Hodges, guilty. The sentence is 20 years, but I'm going to commute the sentence. You don't have to serve, but you better be thankful. Your name's still in the record book and everybody knows you're still a criminal. That's mercy. And we ought to shout and praise the Lord for his mercy. We ought to thank God for his mercy. But then there's grace. Then there's grace. Justice says I've done the time or I've done the crime. I've got to do the time. Mercy says I'm guilty, but I don't have to pay the cost. But then there's grace. Grace is when you stand before the judge and you say, I'm guilty. I've done the crime. I'm guilty, Your Honor. I'm guilty. And he looks down and he says, according to my record book, there's no crime here. And you look up and you say, how is that possible? And he says, because I've already served your time. (laughs) Because I've already done it for you. Because I paid the price. I stood in your stead. Now your record is clean. That's mercy. Can I say to you this morning, every time our accuser, The accuser of the brethren, according to 1 John chapter number 2, stands before the Lord, accusing the brethren. It would be justice if we got what we deserved. It would be mercy if he says, yes, I know he's a criminal, but the price has already been paid. But I'm so glad that every time our accuser stands before the Lord, the Lord can say, yes, but grace has been applied. The blood has been applied. And according to my record book, I have no record of the sin. That's mercy. That's what Naaman didn't understand. Why? He had a wretched condition. But in addition to his miserable, miserable condition, he had mistaken conceptions. Understand this morning that he just didn't get it. Why? Because he didn't like the procedure. Go to verse number 6. Notice what Scripture says. Chapter 5, verse 6 again. Brought the letter to the king of Israel. Saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. As if the king could. Came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter. He rent his clothes and said, Am I God? Well, at least the king got it. <laughs> Am I God? To kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see now he seeketh a quarrel against me. It was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of Israel had rent his clothes, 
that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let, me, let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went in rage. He didn't just go to the wrong person. He didn't just offer the wrong price. He wanted the wrong procedure. I'm amazed by this simple statement. Elisha had told him what to do in order to get rid of the leprosy. And Naaman said, I don't like that plan. I want another. Naaman said, I don't like that idea. I've got a better suggestion. Can I pause a moment and say, his suggestions don't matter when the law's been given. I, I, I see bumper stickers all the time that say, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. While I appreciate that, uh, whether we believe it or not, it's still settled. Amen. <laughs> Understand this morning uh, that the procedure is not up to us to decide. Uh, how we get saved is not up for discussion. Uh, it is very clearly noted in Scripture uh, that whosoever cometh to the Lord shall be saved. Uh, but you don't get to determine how, when, where, and how. Uh, if God's convicting you today, you better move today because you don't know that there's going to be another today. He didn't like. He didn't like the procedure. And I'm convinced there are people today who walk away from God over and over and over because they think it can't be that easy. It can't be that simple. It can't be that easy. May I say to you this morning, getting saved is the easiest thing you'll ever do. Living for God is the hardest thing you'll ever do. But it is so easy even a child can understand it. His miserable condition, his wretched condition. Secondly, not only did you see his wretched condition, we saw his mistaken conceptions and finally... His miraculous conversion. Verse 13. Notice what happens. His servants came near, spake unto him, and said, My father, if the, pro if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean. Can I paraphrase that? The wisdom of the people said, this is so simple. If he told you to use some great majestic thing, you'd go do it instantly. All he's told you to do is go dip seven times in the River Jordan. What are you waiting on? I say the same thing to anyone this morning that may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so simple. Uh, we've tried to complicate it. Uh, we've tried to add so many things to it. Mankind has. Uh, but it is so simple. What are you waiting on? Keep reading with me. Verse 14. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came out or came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And he returned to the company. 
to the man he, re, he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. He said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. But he urged him to take it. He refused. Understand that finally, after much cajoling and begging and, and persuading, Naaman does what the preacher said. He goes to the Jordan River and dips himself seven times. I can imagine after the first time, uh, Naaman pops up and says, See, I told you it's not going to work. Number two, see, I told you it's not going to work. Three, four, after four times, nothing will happen. Why? Because God said seven times. Five times, nothing happened. Why? Because God said seven times. Six times, nothing happened. See, I told you, uh, we're getting down to the sixth try and nothing has happened. Uh, finally, on the seventh, he goes down and he comes up and he's a brand new person. Everybody looks at him. The leper's been healed. The leprosy's gone. The spots are removed. Everybody could see something incredible had happened. Why? Because he did what God said do. On the seventh time, he came up, and he's a brand new creature. And everybody could see it. He looks out and says, I'm clean. Look what God has done. He's so impressed that he offers to pay the preacher for what's just happened. The preacher said, I didn't do it. God did this. Can I pause just a moment and simply say to you, if you're here today and you've never been dipped, and I don't mean in the River Jordan, I don't even mean in the baptistry of SAGBC, if you've never been dipped in the fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, I'm here to tell you that sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. When all was said and done, Naaman goes back to his palace. You continue to read. He goes back and he lets everybody know, there's no God but Jehovah. I'm clean. There are people in here today, I'm done. There are people in here today who, like me, could stand and say, what I used to be is a shame and embarrassment. What I used to do, I'm not proud of. The places I used to go, I, I'm embarrassed by, but I took a dip. In the fountain of living water, in the blood drawn from his veins, and now, like Naaman, I can stand and say, I am clean. And it's not because of who I am. It's because of who I met. It's not because of what I've done. It's because of what he did for me. Stand to your feet this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed today. Brother Ken's going to sing us an invitation verse. I want to ask you a very important question. A simple question, yet one that is the most important that you'll ever be asked. I'm going to ask everyone to please close your eyes with me. Let's not interrupt the work of the Spirit this morning. I'm going to ask you to just be candid today. I won't embarrass anyone. I sure won't single anybody out. 
fact, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you this simple question. If you've never been saved, if you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, won't you just lift your head and look right here at me? You don't have to raise your hand, but just lift your head and look right here at me. If you've never been saved, you're not sure that heaven's your home. May I say to you this morning, Jesus loves you. He loved you so much that he died on an old rugged cross so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. There's nothing this church would love more than to, as we did last week, celebrate a new name written in glory. Could it be you? Brother Ken's going to sing a verse. If that describes you today, just a moment, I want you to step out. I want you to step out and meet me right here at this altar. Let me take this old Bible and show you how you can walk out just like Naaman did, saying, I'm clean. I'm clean. Secondly, this morning, if you're here today and God has in your mind's eye right now a family member, a loved one, someone that you know, that you believe is not saved. If God were to come today, they wouldn't be part of the rapture. If they were to not make it home, heaven would not be their home. Why don't you step out right now? You stepping out might encourage those that are not saved to step out. There are people moving all over the place. So you that looked here about me, would you meet me at the altar this morning? Would you make your way down this morning? Brother Ken, sing us a verse. Would you come today? Would you come? Come on, Brother Ken. I hear the Savior say, Amen. My strength indeed is small.
Aren't you glad he still washes us white as snow today? Amen. Still saving souls. Brother Ken dismisses in prayer. Six o'clock tonight. Something special I want to share with you this evening in honor of Brother Ken's birthday, but also the battles that we face today in the culture wars. I hope you'll be with us tonight. Brother Ken, pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful, Lord, this morning for the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, thank you, God, that it's a cleansing blood. Father, can wash us white as snow, Lord, even as dirty and filthy and sin as we are. God, we're nothing but old wretch. God, we're so thankful, Lord, you saved an old sinner like me. Father, today just ain't my regular birthday, Lord. It's also my salvation birthday. Father, thankful for that. 13-year-old boy trusted Christ as Savior. God, I love you this morning. Father, thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Thankful for a pastor who's not afraid to preach the gospel. God, is so needed in our day and time. God, we're nothing without the blood. Father, it's so precious. God, thank you, Lord, for giving them to us. God, we love you this morning. God, thank you for most of all, you loved us first. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.